Welcome to a D&D Candle Lab. Welcome to the D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast. With your hosts, Karen and Dan. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week we are bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and then scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey everyone, it's Garen. And I'm Dan, and this week we are offering up just one more episode that features the brilliant works of Cobalt Press in their latest release, Midgard Heroes Handbook for 5th Edition. This supplement is impossible to grow tired of, and that's why we've chosen to feature it three separate times. As stated before, there are 48 class options, new weapons, new feats, new backgrounds, almost 300 new spells, all ready to plug into your D&D character creations. We are concluding the series of episodes highlighting this supplement by building level 18 babies this week. They are no longer babies at this point, I would say, Garen. These chicks have flown from the nest and they're out making a way for themselves. That being said, allow me to introduce you to my fully grown and adult character this week. His name, Crony Verberos. Crony? He's someone's crony? Actually, the name is not. I want to see if you can figure out why I named this character Crony. The adopted son of Erdan Virberos, Crony was discovered abandoned on in the forest as a baby. Erdan decided to take him under his wing, care for him, and raise him as his own. Though it was clear over time that Crony was not an elf like Erdan and his people, Erdan continued to instill the values of the Greenleaf College elves in Crony. As he grew, although as a halfling it was slow and limited, He realized that his stature and intense love for nature made him the perfect adventurer. He was resourceful and equal parts inspiring and cutting with his words when he had to be. Erdan enlisted Crony in the Elven High Militia after his studies in the Greenleaf College, where he became an esteemed general, leading the militia to many victories. He has since retired, though, but continues to adventure on his own, as he cannot help it. It's in his blood. Let me introduce you to... Crony Virberos, the Lightfoot Halfling, level 18 Bard of the Greenleaf College with the Cloistered Scholar background. Wonderful. Crony, can you figure it out? He loves Cronuts. No. It's sort of a reverse Buddy the Elf. So I did a synonym for Buddy. Oh, all right. Fun. Instead of being too big, he's too small to be an elf. And Will Ferrell's very tall, so what is the reverse of Will Ferrell? I guess that would be Danny DeVito? Yes. So this is played by Danny DeVito. <laughs> Who do you have this week? I have a descendant from a very noble blood. Well, as it applies to gnolls, that is. So I guess it's a gnoll. It's a noble. noble. <laughs> now, these gnolls are actually descended from a great and mystical minotaur that ruled in a labyrinth beneath the city. Now, the minotaur, how does it have gnoll descendants? Well, this minotaur was just slaying everything if you catch my drift that came into its maze one of those one of those broods happened to be of a bunch of baby gnolls they were kept and they were brought up in the bowels of this city and they actually became the dungeons guards the dungeon was built out of the maze after the minotaur eventually passed away just to be clear did this dungeon also have dragons i I really think this game should just be renamed dungeons or dragon very infrequently i'm in a dungeon and a dragon's around 
Well, there were times where where dragons would be imprisoned in the dungeons because these gnolls were so good at being the guards that they could keep just about anything imprisoned. And it's funny you brought that up because I have actual abilities to back up that statement. Okay. But the gnolls that worked as guards in this dungeon has descended for generations and generations. And my character that I bring you today is one of those descendants. And he has already got his next generation behind him that he's raising up to learn how to work their way through this labyrinthine dungeon and keep an eye on all of the prisoners there that are there. Sure. I hope that next generation knolls their role. Oh, I can only hope they will, because otherwise this whole thing falls apart. But you know what? They have a really great knoll model. <laughs> and he is named by our lovely patron, Ben Potts. I bring to you Chad the Rad Dad. He is a... <laughs> He is a civilized gnoll, one of the sub-races that are available, and he is a maze-born sorcerer, which have the blood of Minotaur in them. That's he is awesome. level 18, and he is taking this episode down. That's awesome. I'm super happy that you actually made that name work. When Ben Potts brought that up in the Discord, I thought that you were pretty much tanked on, on being coming up with anything to make that tie in, but you made it work. Finally, a backstory I can appreciate. You know what else I appreciate? Our sponsor, Cantrip Candles. Cantrip candles are the, perfe- are the purveyors of 100% soy-based candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in the fantasy world. Bakeries, taverns, even a tannery-scented candle that offers notes of leather and clove. But to be honest, you can find a scent for any of your adventure settings in their sampler pack which offer all of their scents for just $11 plus shipping. Once you decide that you want to buy every single one of these scents, be sure to splurge on their newly offered 16-ounce candle size because they all come with a metal D20 and you don't even have to expend a spell slot. And they're not just the purveyor of amazing candles either. Right now they're featuring a pin that they've paired up with Paula's Pixels to design for Pride Month that says, Roll with Pride. Even better than the stunning design of the pin itself is the fact that the portion of a portion of the proceeds directly benefit Outright International and the Los Angeles LGBT Center. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles. And if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you should not be playing D&D. Thank you, Dan and Cantrip Candles, for all the amazing work you're doing over there. I will go ahead and get us started off with the melee category. Now, I may be sporting a sorcerer this week, but I've actually got quite a bit to offer in the melee category, and therefore, I am arguing a plus one. Because what? Knowles... At level 18, you're arguing a plus one. This better be good. Knolls are proficient with spears. So I have a spear that I can wield, and that is a plus nine to hit, 1d8, plus three damage. I also... At level six, as a Mazeborn Sorcerer, I grew horns out of my head. So I have a plus nine to hit with those, 1d6 plus three damage as well for that. Hmm. I think the little mix them up there. Well, you're still only equipped with one attack. I do only have one attack, yes. So your total damage output per round is what? Maximum of 11. Yeah, no way. I'm putting out, I'm going to tell you why. I'm arguing a negative one. I have a plus 10 to hit with my rapier, which deals out 1d8 plus four piercing damage. That's it. But plus 10 to hit also deals out a maximum of 12 damage. I'm arguing a negative one. Level 18, we got to each take a negative one on this. I think I should get a zero because I also have the horns. You've got a couple options, but your damage, it's all about damage output. And so I, no, I'm not well, going to no. give you... I think the options actually work here because if you're in a situation where you, we have our weapons taken from us, I can still do melee damage. So you got to give me a what's your two hit? That. What's your two hit with those horns? Plus nine. It doesn't really offer much more. I'm just not convinced. I'm not backing down. 
No Come way. On. We're level 18. You, you can't be getting a zero in the melee category dealing out 11 damage. It's not happening. We're almost fully grown babies. It's, it was more obtuse than I expected from you. <laughs> All right. So going into the ranged category, what do you have to offer there? I also wrote a plus one for this, but I see where this is going. <laughs> I have a heavy crossbow. It's the biggest crossbow ever. Plus seven to hit, 1d10, plus one damage. Yeah, I'm seeing a, a, a oh. consistent theme here as well. Also, I can throw my spear. I meant to include that as well. So that's plus nine to hit, 1d6, plus three damage. So I have options in the range category too. I'm, I'm sporting utility this week. Well, you can take a negative one because I'm taking a negative two. I have no ranged weapon. That was foolish of you. So foolish. I'm going to move on to burninating though. I have a plus two here. No surprise. Eldritch Blast. I took that because I have magic secrets, which allows me to take spells from other classes. You got to love high level bards, man. I wish you hadn't explained magic secrets and you just made that your argument. Because I have magic secrets. Because I have magic secrets. Eldritch Blast allows me to do 1d10, but I get to do it four times. I have Thunderclap, which deals out 46. Vicious Mockery, 44. Magic Missile deals out 1d4 plus 1. I have four of those. They don't miss. Acid Arrow does 44 now. And then on a successful hit, it does 2d4 at the end of the opponent's next turn. I also have Power... <laughs> I don't know if we've covered this. It's a ninth level spell. Power Word Kill. Have you seen this thing before? Read it out for me. Okay, so basically, if a character has, or a, an opponent has 100 hit points or less, you say a word and it dies. <laughs> like, is there a better spell than that? Well, anyway. it's a ninth level spell, yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I also have Psychic Scream, which deals out, drumroll, 14d6 damage. <laughs> and synaptic static which does 8d6 i think this is an easy plus two <laughs> if there were if if i could roll my d20 and get a 20 right now and, and do a plus three i would because this is great do you want to well that's up to you friend i'll tell you what dan that was such an impressive list i'll give you advantage on the roll if you don't meet your dc for a two you're still gonna get the one then okay sounds good advantage on the roll first roll is a nine. Second roll is a 10. I did not meet it because my charisma modifier is a plus four. So I take that plus one. Wow, what a oh. crappy little gig that is. I suckered you in with the greed on you that did. one. You did. Yeah, I got greedy because it was a good list. You got to admit. It was a good list. Very good list. I have some stuff that I'm very excited about as well. I'm also arguing a plus two. I'm going to start off with my ninth level spell that I have one of, and that is Greater Maze. Now, here's what happens when you throw somebody into a maze. I cast it on a creature, and I can maintain concentration for up to 10 minutes. And during that time, this creature is lost in a maze that is in a completely different... It's like sending them to another plane, okay? Is this a labyrinth spell from the Cobalt book? It absolutely is. Awesome. Yes. The creature must use its action to make a DC 20 intelligence check. So it only gets out of the maze if it succeeds on that check. Now, the target takes 4d6 psychic damage from traps and other hazards each time it starts its turn in the maze. The damage is halved if the target makes a successful dexterity saving throw repeated each round. So for up to 10 minutes, I can maintain someone in this maze. They're going to take 4d6 damage maximum every round. That adds up very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue your plus two, but I will make you roll here because I'm figuring this is going to easily be your strongest category. Well, thank you. I also want to highlight a dragon spell, Claws of the Earth Dragon, 
where I can shoot a ray at a target within 60 feet. The target falls prone and takes 6d8 bludgeoning damage from being slammed into the ground. If it was flying or levitated, when I shoot it with this, it takes an additional 1d6 bludgeoning damage per 10 feet it falls. Imagine using that on a flying creature that's way up there. Yeah, that's pretty neat. And I also have empowered spells as being a sorcerer. So I will roll for my plus two. Greater Maze just excited me so much. I rolled a six, so I also didn't get it. <laughs> so we each get a plus one in a category that easily called for a plus two. So how controlling are you? Man, even without using the maze, or I also have lesser maze, which is a level three spell, which is a very controlling spell, but I've got some other things that I'm going to use. I have a very interesting little feature of being a Mazeborn Sorcerer is I have Sorceress Charge. When I use Dash as my action, I can use a bonus action to cast a melee spell. And I've got Fist of Iron as a cantrip. So I can just rush in and drop a Fist of Iron Punch on an enemy right off the bat. I also can retrace my steps as being a Mazeborn Sorcerer. I can retrace to where I need to go as long as I've gone that way. I don't even have to roll any checks. Easy peasy for me. That's a neat feature. I like that. Isn't it very nice? Yeah. I've got Quicken Spell and Heighten Spell as two of my Sorceress metamagics, which I'll, just in case, Quicken is two sorcery points to cast a spell as a bonus action, and Heightened is three sorcery points to give a disadvantage on saves. I also, when I disengage as a Null, I can move up to 10 feet more, and I'm going to bust out another spell that I'm extremely excited about, and this one is called Legend Killer. This is a level 7 divination from the Dragon Magics of the Cobalt Book. I tap into the life force of a creature that is capable of making legendary actions, and when I cast the spell, they must succeed on a con save or lose the ability to take legendary actions for the spell's duration. The creature cannot use its legendary resistance to automatically succeed on this. It can repeat its save at the end of every turn, and if it does, it regains one legendary action, and it has to continue to repeat that save if it wants to get the rest of its legendary actions back. That's pretty, I mean, legendary actions are a real game changer when you're in a conflict. So I think the ability to strip those from an enemy, that's huge. I agree. Especially if you're in uh, the big boss battle, you take away legendary actions and it's, it's a fundamentally different game. Absolutely. So that's a plus two. Yeah, it's huge control. For this category, I'm arguing a zero. I have Bane, Force Cage, Power Word Stun, which operates very similarly to Power Word Kill. It's also a ninth level spell and it operates on enemies with 150 hit points or less. You say a word, and they get stunned. I also have True Polymorph, which allows me to choose a creature or non-magical object that I see within range. I can transform the creature into a different creature, the creature into an object, or the object into a creature. The object must be neither worn nor carried by another creature. The transformation lasts for the duration or until the target drops to zero hit points or dies. If you concentrate on this spell for the full duration, the transformation lasts until it is dispelled. I also have Land Stride, which is a Greenleaf College ability. Uh, At sixth level, it allows me to move through non-magical difficult terrain, and it costs me no extra movement. I can also pass through non-magical plants without being slowed by them and without taking advantage from them if they have thorn spines or similar hazard. In addition, I have advantage on saving throws against plants that are magically created or manipulated to impede movement, such as those created by Entangle spell, or like Mold Earth would be another great example. So they're extremely situational, but I do have some good options there. I think it's it, a zero is warranted. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Yeah, I appreciate the situational is kind of everything when it comes to that. You, you can't just use that on whoever you're encountering. So cool. 
Moving right on into uh, tankiness, I'm arguing a zero here as well. I have an AC of 15, 144 hit points. I'm not going to make any other arguments in this category because everything else that applies to this, I'm saving for other categories. So I'm going to take that zero if that's cool. You say 144 hit points? 144 AC of 15. Okay. Yes, because I'm going to take your zero because I'd also like a zero. I also have 144 hit points because I increased my con to get that sorcerer's HP up there a little higher. Ah. I have... What's your AC? I have an, I have an AC of 11, but no. I have something else to offer. I have oh, something okay. else to okay, offer. Okay, go for it. If I spend three sorcery points for the next minute or until <laughs> I lose concentration, all attacks have disadvantage against me. And creatures within five feet must make a wisdom save or lose the ability to take reactions until the end of my next turn. It's called the Aura of the Maze. It's the 18th level feature of the class. Boy. And having disadvantage against me, that is pretty tanky. You'll get that zero, but man, does that AC of 11 at 18th level, you stick out there like a sore thumb. I get hit by everything, but what are you going to do? I'm only wearing a robe, and I got low dex. That's right. Yeah. So how do you help your friends? Well, before I get into how I help my friends, I'd like to take a brief moment to explain how you, the listeners, can help the D&D Character Lab. We're super excited to bring you extra content on the cheap on our Patreon page. We have tiers that start at 1 and move all the way up to 20. We have a Discord that you can chat with us, which not even our loved ones want to do for free. And we have bonus episodes for our 5 and up patrons. We also offer early access to our regular show, unoptimizations for our characters on the show. You can even name our characters like Ben Potts did this week, Chad the Rad Dad. Best of all, our patrons have been battling one another in our Discord on the Fan Lab channel. For more details on all that, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash dndcharacterlab. Now let me tell you about how Chad, this radical father, helps his friends. I have Labyrinth Mastery, a level 4 labyrinth spell, where I can cast it and for up to one hour I can find my way through a situation. I immediately know where to go to get out of any sort of maze or any sort of confusing situation or if I need to get somewhere. No, it just to get me out of a structure. While this spell is guiding me out of the structure, I have advantage on skill checks to avoid being surprised on initiative checks. So I am totally in tune with what's going on. This spell also grants me perfect memory of portions of the maze that I move through during the spell's duration. If I revisit a portion, I can recognize that I've been there before and automatically notice any changes. That helps guide my friends. If I want to take it even further, I can walk the twisted path. This is a bit of a difficult spell to kind of pull off. It is a level 6 labyrinth spell, and I take my friends into the Great Maze. So we are stepping into the same kind of plane where I send somebody if I want them to get beat up, but I am guiding them. And it basically allows me to go from where we are, we go into the maze, we travel successfully through the maze, and we can end up somewhere else that we wanted to get to. So it's kind of like a shortcut, but I must succeed on a DC 20 intelligence check. Oh, yeah, nope. I might as well just not have mentioned that. What are you talking about? I can go up to 100 miles. Roll an intelligence check. All right, plus two to my intelligence check. That's a 12. Yeah, so you're not going anywhere. Okay, next argument. It's a, it's a risky maneuver, but it's got a lot of value if you get there. Here's a cool spell. It's called Thunderstorm. I put it on a friend, and they get 60-foot flight speed, and they're surrounded in clouds and rain, which doesn't have any effect. It's all visual, but it obscures them. So basically, they have 60-foot fly speed, and they're hard to see so they can get, travel somewhere. That's pretty neat. I'll take a zero. <laughs> yeah, you got kind of listy, but a lot of it's really situational. A zero is good. I'm arguing plus two. I'm going to get listy with you. I have a spell called Inspiring Sp Speech, which is from the Midgard Heroes Handbook. It's a fourth-level enchantment 
spell from Battle Magic Supplement. Basically, the verbal component of this spell is a 10-minute long rousing speech. You know what this is? This spell is the inspiring leader feat, but it's just cast in a spell. Basically, sure. anybody who heard the effect gains a plus one bonus on all attack rolls and have advantage on saving throws against effects that cause them to be charmed or frightened for one hour. Additionally, each recipient gains temporary hit points equal to your spell casting ability modifier, which is a plus four. If you move farther than one mile from your allies or you die, the spell obviously ends. A character can be affected by one inspiring speech at a time, subsequent overlasting asking castings. That's hard to say. Overlapping castings have no additional effect and don't expend uh, don't extend the duration. I also have Vital Surge, which is a uh, Greenleaf College ability at 14th level. Uh, as an action, I can expend use of one bardic inspiration to magically remove one disease or detrimental condition affecting a creature I can see within 60 feet. The condition well, can that's be nice. blinded, charmed, deafened, frightened, paralyzed, or poisoned. So that's pretty neat. And it doesn't cost a whole lot because one bardic inspiration die at 18th level is not really much of anything to talk about. I also have rejuvenating inspiration, which is a Greenleaf College ability starting at the third level. I learned to infuse my bardic inspiration with magical seed of healing energy. When a creature uses bardic inspiration die from me to increase an ability check, attack roll, or saving throw, it also gains temporary hit points equal to the number rolled on the bardic inspiration die plus your charisma modifier. That's huge. Oh, nice. Yeah. I also have Song of Rest, Bardic Inspiration, obviously, Aid, Freedom of Movement, Mass Cure Wounds, Skill Empowerment, and Resurrection. There is no denying this is a plus two. I'm very helpful to my friends. I think in order to earn your plus two, you should give an inspiring speech as Crony, who of course sounds like Danny DeVito. Here's the deal. Your party is about to take down a bugbear camp. They are going to be vastly outnumbered. They need this motivation. Crony, what do you say to them? I'm half their size. And we're going to charge in there, and we're going to take it over! Danny DeVito just shouts? Well, have you seen It's Always Sunny? Okay, you've got nine minutes and 50 seconds left in your speech. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll spare our listeners and take our my plus two. You just get the plus two? Yeah, I mean, there's no denying I get that plus two. I'm going to go through my balance. I'm arguing a plus two here as well. Strength of negative one with an eight. Dexterity of 18. Con of 12. Intelligence of 12, Wisdom of 12, Charisma of 18, Passive Perception of 23. I also have Jack of All Trades, so I'm going to just highlight over the good ones. Plus 16 to Stealth, plus 7 to Sleight of Hand, plus 16 to Persuasion, plus 7 to Deception, plus 7 to Intimidation, plus 13 to Perception. So, you know, all sorts of good stuff. And then, of course, my spellcasting ability is Charisma, Spell Save DC of 8. Ooh, that hurts. And a spell attack bonus of plus 10. That is an easy plus two. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a bard. I think we say this every time there's a bard. It's like, how do you not say a bard is balanced? They have so much to offer. I am going to argue a plus one. Strength is 16, dex of 13, con of 14, intelligence of 14, wisdom of 9, and charisma of 16. My wisdom is so low because I spend my entire life down here in the dungeon. So I don't know much about the world. But I'm pretty learned, and I'm very good at what I do. I have a spell save DC of 17 with a plus 9 to hit on my spell attacks. I think this is a 1. I have 5 proficiencies, too. But it's not sure. going to match your bard at all. Yeah, plus 1. Now, the next section is our smooth operator. We have a scenario that was submitted by our same patron that named Garen's character, Ben Potts. Uh, he submitted the following scenario. 
your PC's relationship with their significant other has taken a serious turn. They've made dinner for you. They slave over a hot campfire for hours, making the meal just perfect, and then hand it over to you, their face pale with anxiety. You taste it, and it's absolutely awful. That said, mm. you can tell just by looking at the, your significant other's face that they'll be absolutely crushed if you don't like it. What do you do in this scenario, Garen? I am at such a disadvantage being against a bard in this category. I'll try my best, and then I'm sure you'll knock it out of the park. So Chad the Rad Dad sits down at dinner with <laughs> Siobhan the Bomb Mom. He tries this food, and it's not bad, and she's not good, and she's looking at him, and she's looming over him. So Chad the Rad Dad, actually, because she's looming over him, and I would argue she is more threatening and larger than him in this moment, he can use his null feature of having proficiency in persuasion checks when he's talking to something bigger and stronger. Wow, this is a stretch. And it's not, it's not just proficiency, it's actually double proficiency on <laughs> This the persuasion is a stretch, check. whoa. How, I'm painting such a, how, how would she not be bigger and stronger? In okay, this all right. She wants that satisfaction. <laughs> he looks up at her and he's like baby this is delicious and what'd, what'd you roll I on rolled, that persuasion i rolled an eight which is plus three with my charisma so that's up to an 11 and proficiency is six so 23 <laughs> i can't fail this actually i yeah I, I like she's gonna believe you even if my voice slips you know i stand up from the table like i just mow it all down i stand up from the table i'm not feeling good I start to stumble because it's so bad. So I cast... Give me a con check. Give me a con check right now. Or you throw up. DC 15. Uh, 17 plus 2. Okay. You don't throw up. All right. You're good. I cast Goat's Hoof Charm, which gives me the ability to not stumble. So I can like walk up a steep slope. But I'm using it to not stumble out of the room after <laughs> such eating such crappy food. Right on. So I walk very steadily out of the room. Just like, hey, thanks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go torture some guys down in the dungeon, babe. You're the best. Okay. So... You succeeded. I'll give you a plus one. What were you arguing? I, I would love a plus one. Thank you. Yeah, plus one's pretty good. I, I, I think that you use that ability pretty creatively, the bigger and stronger double proficiency thing. But anyway, I would just want to start this out by saying I have a plus seven to sleight of hand, plus 16 to stealth and persuasion checks. But first, I would cast mislead. I become invisible at the same time that an, an illusory double of me appears where I am sitting. The double lasts for the duration, but the invisibility ends if you attack or cast a spell. So you can use your action to move your illusory double up to twice your speed and make a gesture, speak, and behave in whatever way you choose. You can see through its eyes, hear through its ears as if you were located where it is, blah, blah, blah. Then I would use my Leomund's secret chest where basically you hide a chest, all of its contents on an ethereal plane. You touch the chest and the miniature replica that serves as a material component for the spell. The chest can contain up to 12 cubic feet of non-living material. Blah, 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 blah. Basically what I do is I use a sleight of hand check, dump all of the shit on the plate into Liamon's <laughs> uh, secret chest, clear my plate, and then I use my plus 16 persuasion check to tell him or her that it was simply the best meal I've ever had and that I appreciate all the hard work that went into it. If that failed, I would use the spell glibness, which until the spell ends, when I make a charisma check, I can replace the number I roll with a 15. Additionally, no matter what you say, <laughs> this is the best part, no matter what you say, magic that would determine you're telling the truth indicates that you are being truthful. Wow. 
<laughs> All right, so I would have had I would have had no argument with that if you opened with the glibness, but you're opening with the sleight of hand check to shove that into the magic chest. So I'm going to need that sleight of hand check to see how this works out for you. Okay, I have a plus seven to sleight of hand check, so let's go ahead and see. That's what very respectable. I rolled a fourteen, so okay. tw twenty-one. Right, you... Yeah, it's probably gonna probably gonna work. Think you were plus arguing two. a two? Yeah. All right. Moving into spitting fire, I'm gonna stay with this same scenario. Okay. I would dump I would dump that disgusting shit directly onto the fire in front of my significant other and then I would cast ill-fated word from the Midgard Heroes handbook which allows me to subtract a d4 from an attack roller ability check. <laughs> I would cast modify memory to make her believe that I completed the meal in its entirety and I was very appreciative and then we made love aggressively next to the campfire. If she didn't believe me by somehow succeeding on her wisdom saving throw even after subtracting that d4 i would then cast eidetic memory which is a fifth level transmutation spell from the hieroglyph magic uh from midgard heroes handbook when i cast this spell i remember everything i've ever read or heard in the past granting a plus 10 bonus when making intelligent checks for the duration so then i would tell her every terrible thing that she's ever done to me in the past and follow it up with some vicious mockery <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> plus two. <laughs> okay. All right, you can have your plus two, and that was really mean, but I actually I actually think I'm going to do you one up on this. No way. Rad Dad, you're going to be meaner? That's awful. And now let me just preface this by saying that Chad the Rad Dad and Crony, they very much respect their spouses, and they would never do these things, but the question has been posed, What? how would you handle this in an awful way? And this is what I would do. <laughs> So I would look at Siobhan the Bomb Mom and I would say, woman, no woman in their right mind would make food this bad every day the whole time we've been married. You don't even try to come up with something, something to flavor it, to spice it up. And look at yourself. You're not even taking care of yourself. So what are you doing with your day? And she looks down and she's all like, I, I look great. And I'm like, do you? And I touch her and I cast enlarge on her to make her bigger. <laughs> So then she's like, you don't respect me. You did this to me. You're the reason I look like this. And now I use my feet. I use my dragon rider feet and I jump on her back. It's an athletics versus an acrobatics check. All right. I'll be her. So I'll be, right, the, uh, I'll be the athletics. Acrobatics for her to try and shake me off as I jump on her back. Okay. So I've got, I rolled an eight. Okay. Well, I rolled a 10 and I'm proficient in athletics. So I think I got you. Okay. So now I'm riding her. I'm riding on her back, pulling at her hair, and she's crashing around the kitchen, and I'm just shouting like this: "You've ruined my life! This, yeah, this is this dungeon is falling apart because of you." Yeah. Now she's got disadvantage. Uh, I have advantage on attacks to just bash her on the head. I don't know why I'm bashing her on the <laughs> this head. This is terrible. But I'm just trying to. This I'm just trying to show dark. off the feet at this point. <laughs> this has gone terribly off the rails. <laughs> All right. So I finally. So let me just say this: D and D character lab does not condone. Spousal abuse. Continue, Gary. <laughs> At all. But we, we were in a loveless Knoll marriage. So I jump off her back finally when she's exhausted herself, and then I banish her to the maze. And Banishment I... is always like a super aggressive way of handling things. And here's what I do is I expend a bunch of sorcery points. Sorcery so, points? Wait, you'd, you, you would expend sorcery <laughs> porn? I expend my sorcery points to use extended spell to double the duration up to 24 hours, and I leave her in the maze for 24 hours while I pack all my while shit she's still and large. To a yeah, yeah, you better. So she's still really large in this plane, right? <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah, she's yeah. large. <laughs> this is terribly aggressive. What are you arguing? This is. I can't. I. I mean, I got to take a minus two for being such an awful <laughs> no on this. No, I mean, you know, you can take like a zero or something. It's just, it's just so awful. I really, I really feel bad that this went this way. I blame Ben Potts. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, we're just talking about the map to the castle. That's right. Things got really weird with this. Yes, they and did. And you know what? Let me let me plug our Patreon one more time. If you want if you want episodes to turn this awful, hop on there. Throw this at us. <laughs> I believe the $10 tier allows you to contribute to the show uh, and make it go off the rails in such a hilarious fashion. That being said, let's move on to X Factor. I'll take this one. I would play this bard, maybe not with this backstory, but I would definitely play a bard from uh, Greenleaf College. This is got some super cool abilities and it's really great in uh, supporting allies, which uh, if you're looking for a good ally assist, this would be a great character. Uh, I like this little spin from Cobalt Press. Would you play your no? It's a wacky character and I can't see doing a whole campaign with the character this bizarre, but definitely for a one shot, I would hop into something like this. Now, separately, I enjoy the Null race and I like this Mazeborn Sorcerer too because I I'm kind of I'm really into the whole idea of you being descended from Minotaurs. That's a very specific thing, and I think that would be really fun to role play. Yes and no. <laughs> well, if you guys thought that these characters were fun builds, uh, be sure to hop on our Twitter and get involved in our giveaway. We're giving away one last copy of this here handbook to one lucky fan. But hey, listen, if you don't win it, go to CobaltPress.com and order yourself a copy. Uh, you can get a PDF and hardcover combo for just 40 bucks. It's so, so worth it. I cannot say enough. I think I do say more than enough on this show about this supplement, but there's no better third-party content out there. So, Garen, let's do a drum roll here, and uh, let's hear about who takes it away this week. All right, Dan, this week you are taking home the win with six to three your character is the most dominant. It's a it's a bard. You got you got bard dominance. I do I do have bard dominance, but I will say thank you to again to Ben Potts, our patron, for providing us with that scenario because I just had all of the abilities to slice and dice through that. Thank you for setting me up for success, Ben. Garen, why don't you go ahead and let our lab rats know what kind of new experiments we're working on right now? I got some good news and some bad news, and I guess I uh, I just gotta get the bad news out of the way. Guys, listen. Prepare yourselves. If you're driving, please pull over right now. There is no more fresh meth. The DEA came, they shut down our cat pee farm, and now it's strictly D&D characters and supplements. I know this is a huge blow to you guys, and I mean to us too. It took forever to collect all that cat pee, but it was worth it because of the smiles it brought to your faces. <laughs> but let's go up from there, okay? We're moving on together. Number two, Jamae Jr.'s Horde of Horses and other exotic mounts that are also for sale. That is our mount supplement with 30 new mounts that you can use in your game. We're very proud of that. It's up there on DM's Guild. You can also, while you're there, check out our other offerings like Wombo's Guide to Combos and Consequences for Poor PC Resting Choices. Everything's just a buck, and they feature a lot of fun options that you can plug into your game right away. Our Patreon bonus episodes are flowing out there for just $5 a month. You get two extra episodes from us posted on the 1st and 15th of each month. Well, Garen, some disappointing news, but I think you redeemed yourself. Uh, with the great stuff that we have coming out of the lab. That's all for us this week, Lab Rats, but just remember, it does not have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Thank you so much. We appreciate you guys. Have a great week. This has been a production of the D&D Character Lab Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. 
or shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. Most importantly, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app.